Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nice to Meet You. This is your host, Simone, and this is a podcast of conversations with friends and strangers where we talk about life and lessons learned along the way. Today, we have with us Justin, and Justin, if you could introduce yourself and tell everybody how we met. So, I'm Justin. We met, we were introduced by my friend Kofi. I was dropping off to him um, one of my t-shirts, so... I just so happened to be overstaying my welcome at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Very easy places to overstay your welcome. <laughs> so where are you from? I'm from Calvert County, Maryland. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. How was it growing up there? <laughs> it was different. It was... It's very weird to have to like tell people... I grew up in Calvert County and they're like, Oh, where's Calvert County? That's not so... So interesting. I'm like, um, you ever look at Maryland? Like, yeah, like on the map, like the tip of it, that's me. Like, yeah. um, Most people don't even know that there is a Southern Maryland. They just kind of think like, they think Baltimore and Annapolis. Okay. And like some people. PG County. Yeah, like, and then some people know about like Waldorf, but like for them, like for most people, like Maryland stops in Annapolis for some reason. Interesting. Um, Even I've talked to people like in Maryland and they're like, I've never heard of that place. Yeah. See, I like I'm very like cocky, like because I'm from PG County. I'm just like everybody knows about PG County. What are you talking about? You know, like, but like, what part of Calvert? Like, is it like Waldorf? Or are you like deep in Calvert? No, I so Waldorf is Charles County. Oh, um, oh wait, we're one county over. So like at the tip, like at the end yeah. of Maryland, you have like a trifecta of like three counties. So you have Charles County, then you have Calvert County. So Calvert County is just south of PG. Yeah, and then just south of Calvert County is going to be St. Mary's County. Okay. Um, in Calvert County, I grew up in uh, Solomon's Island. Okay. So I grew up right on the water. Um, my mom and I used to literally, like, some days after school, go take walks down on the pier and that sounds so just peaceful. hang out. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I learned how to do, like... So my mom, my mom, she fishes. So she's big on fishing, but, like, I grew up crabbing. Um, we like, catching your own crabs, cooking them, and... Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I wish I could do that. <laughs> it's easier than it. It's so much easier than people think it is, but it's so much more patience involved. Yeah. Um, and you just have to like wait for them to like fill up the. Well, that's cage. the thing. There's two different ways to do it. So okay. you have the, you have the way that they do it now, where like they have like the cage and you let the cage sit for like maybe like a couple of days or a couple of weeks, like depending on how how long you're willing to wait. Um, the way I was taught how to do it was to go to the pier with some string. And some fresh bait, which is either going to be, like, raw chicken or some people use, like, octopus. um, And tie it to the pier and just kind of, like, lower it into the water. And you literally have to sit there and wait for a crab to come. And you have to catch every single crab like that. Yeah. And so, like, every crab that comes, you have to, like, pull it up and then, like, swoop it up in the net. And Yeah. I don't think I have enough patience, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just go to the wharf. I don't have as much patience as, like, 10-year-old me did when he was doing it. Yeah. Ten-year-old me was, like, excited about, like, catching it. Like, yeah, I caught, like, a bait crab. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this now. Like, <laughs> I'm on a schedule. Yeah. When was the last time you went crabbing? Ooh. When was the last time? I want to say I was probably 18. Okay. So it's been a good, it's been a good 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with my aunt. Uh, she has a friend who, uh, she's a in-house, I guess, like, live-in maid for this family. And okay. we... Went down there one day because they let us use the pier in their backyard. Mm-hmm. And they have a cage out there. They have a little cage out there in order to, like, catch crabs. But my aunt also, my whole family pretty much fishes. Okay. Um, you grow up in the country, pretty much 
my mom's one of eight kids. Like, everybody knows how to do something. Mm-hmm. So we went down there together, and we spent the day together. True. That's cool. I wish I, like, had those lessons. I grew up, like, I grew up in Akakik, which, um, yeah, I probably should have known that Waldorf is Charles <laughs> County. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I did, I've, I feel like I have, like, a very city vibe to me, like, you know. PG, PG people have a, have a city vibe. It's very, it's very weird to me. It's weird because I used to live in New York. And so, like, when I, like, living there... And then, like, whenever I come back to Maryland, because I've lived there, like, on three separate occasions. So when I come back to Maryland and then, like, I meet people who still, like, because my parents live in PG now. And I meet people in PG who still kind of give off, like, a city vibe. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but this, Y'all isn't, yeah. like, this isn't, like, a city place. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, you guys are real city, but I'm like, <laughs> I still have to drive 10 minutes to get to, like, the grocery store. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's us. Um, but what do you find interesting? Oh, wow. That's a... As far as what I find interesting, I would have to say, like, I find life in general interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I approach life with a very, like... Or at least I try to approach life with two things. A very artistic point of view and the way that I handle things. But just the way that I see the world in general. And at the same time, um, I try to keep... A lot of positive thoughts flowing mm-hmm. so i try to be as positive as possible but i also focus a lot on the law of attraction which i find very interesting um i find it very interesting when we as people start to kind of ch- shift our thinking and walk with a certain purpose and a certain mindset and then you'll be surprised how people start to gravitate to you mm-hmm. and how you start kind of like attracting people towards you and you might not not might not know how you're going to reach a certain angle, but just because you're on that path and you have that mindset, it's literally like whatever trouble you might run into, there's somebody there that's going to be attracted yeah. to you to help you get past it. It's like manifesting almost. Like yeah. What you want. So do you know what your purpose is? Um, My purpose at this moment is to just continue to create really just dope work with mm-hmm. people that I care about um that's where I started doing my t-shirts um one of my friends is an artist and I went to her and I just said hey like this is what I have in mind and she was able to bring that to life and albeit like not everybody was happy with the end result mm-hmm. as far as like the design itself but I loved it because I was like this is dope like yeah. this is truly it's art because it's an expression and an extension of the people who sat down to create it yeah um and even now like we're working on another one where i think a lot more people are going to be happy with that one mm-hmm. but i'm never out there to like appease the masses i'm always just kind of like if it's dope and it has the ability to reach somebody yeah. then it's something that should be out there um so i really just my purpose in life is to just create and inspire and continue to try to entertain people through mm-hmm. either the art or the just the expression of myself so what's your brand um my brand's called branch my brand is called <laughs> Nato pronto um it's italian for born ready oh cool you'd be surprised when i googled it how many people already took born ready <laughs> um, <laughs> There were so many T-shirts, and I yeah. was like, <laughs> even Volvo has a ta- like has a licensing on it, and I was like, that's really weird. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, why did you choose Italian instead of some other language? Oh, I ran down a lot of languages. Okay. <laughs> um, 
I chose Italian because at the end of the day, like, it just felt cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through Italian, uh, Portuguese, Spanish. I kind of stopped there because uh, I knew I wanted to be some type of... I wanted it, I wanted it to have some type of... How do I put this? The safest way to say this is that anything... Like, when you translate things into certain languages... It just kind of sounds cleaner. Mm-hmm. Like, it sounds like something that's more attractive and more appealing. Yeah, I see and what you mean. So, for me, like, when I sat... And I sat down for, like, a good, like, two weeks. And I was just sitting there and I was like... <laughs> I'm like, literally, it was just me <laughs> looking at my phone yeah. and the notes. And I'm just looking at it and I'm like... Yeah. <sighs> like, one of these three. It's it. Mm-hmm. And then somebody was like... Somebody suggested, like, German. And they were... I was like, no, German... That seems very harsh, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, the language. Like, if, I don't know. German, der- German is gritty. Yeah. I took German in high school. It's very, like... It's, it's very... Like, learning it is easy because the sentence structuring is very much the same as, like, Amer- like, what we speak in English. Yeah. So, it's not that far off. Like, when you go to learn it, like, certain things fall in the same places as they would speaking mm-hmm. English. Um, but it just sounds so harsh and so gritty at times because it's, like... Like, even, even when I talk to, like, customers at my job and some of them might, like, speak... Like, I have one specific customer. Like, I know for a fact he's German. Like, we've had a conversation about it. But the first time, like, we were talking, I was like, oh, like, he told me his name, and he has a very German name. And I was like, oh, Esprechen Sie Deutsch. And then, like, every time I say it, I'm like, this just sounds hard coming out. Like, yeah. It's not as elegant as, like, Allo Espanol or uh, Parlez-vous Francais. Like, yeah. It's like, those are pretty. Like, when you say that and then, like, people start speaking it back to you, you're like, oh, my God, like, this is a beautiful <laughs> language. Yeah, yeah. You speak German to somebody and it's like everything. Are you angry? Yeah, like everything that comes out afterwards is like, oh my god, like I'm very okay. Um I just need to walk away for a minute. I don't know if you're upset. There's a lot of energy going on here. Yeah, like I don't know how upset you are or if you're upset, but I don't know. Do you want some water? Will that help? <laughs> like <laughs> So what's the message behind your brand? Um, the message behind my brand there's a lot of messages actually the more we dive into it and the more we start really thinking like the more i started to think about it there's so many like intertwining messages of just like so people were upset because like the like this original setup like for the logo was like a skull mm-hmm. a lot of people mainly my mother leading that bandwagon were very upset that like there was a skull. Yeah, I um, feel like yeah, black older um, you know generation they hate any type of skeleton, anything like representing death, like. And that's where it came from. They were like, "Oh my god, like you're representing death!" Like my, my mom literally called me while I was at work, and she was like, "You're," <laughs> she was like, "And then it has a crown on it, and you're putting it's like you're giving the darkness power." And I was like, <laughs> "Um." Really. <laughs> At what point did we enter, like, a Star Wars storyline where, like, I'm giving the darkness power? Like, Um, yeah. uh, (laughs) And then I thought about, but then even after that conversation, I thought about it and I was like, okay, like, well, if we're looking at it from, like, a spiritual aspect, Mm -hmm. like, most older black people within that generation of, like, like, early early 50s on, um, maybe even, like, Mm -hmm. mid-40s, even if you're looking at it from a spiritual aspect, like, I think that at some point as people, you have to realize that even it's in your darkest moments where you have to wear your crown. 
Yeah. Like, you can't, like, that's the one point in time where you can't really forget it. Mm -hmm. It's easy to remember who you are as a person when everything's going good. That's true. It's very hard to remember who you are as a person when you feel like you're at your worst. Mm -hmm. Um, Outside of that, like, the skull itself is completely, um, I keep saying, like, it's androgynous. Like, it's, it has no sex. It has no creed. Of course, it has a beard, but that's just because, like, <laughs> the first one was, like, supposed to resemble me to some extent. Yeah. Um, and then when we look at, like, and then when you start breaking down, like, other things, like, the words, like, when you break down the words of born ready, like, we're literally telling you that anything that you're coming across in life right now, like, you're already ready to go through it. Mm-hmm. It's something that we talk about, like, no matter what religion you are, no matter what credence of the person you are, no matter where you come from, like... At some point, somebody's instilled in you, like, hey, whatever you're about to go through, you're already ready for it. You yeah. just have to go through it. So there's just that subtle reminder to it, too, that, hey, like, whatever it is, I don't I don't care if the smallest thing is stressing you out that day. I don't care if the biggest thing is stressing you out that day. Like, whatever it is, like, whether it's work-related, whether it's the fact that you went to Subway and they didn't have, like, they ran out of, like, the chicken. Like, yeah. I don't... Like, whatever is really getting to you, like, you're already ready for that. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's what also keeps you in that positive mindset of not everything should be getting to us. Like, yeah, I feel like that's a big thing that we have to realize, like, especially these days. Like, y'all just chill out. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be okay. (laughs) Like, it's it's weird to me. Like, it's weird to me now because I've I've fallen into that. So I can't be the person. Like, I don't think anybody could ever be like, oh, like, I've never been there. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know what that feels like. Like, Tony Robbins has had a bad day. We probably haven't seen it, like, since he's been famous for, like, mm-hmm. motivational speaking. But I'm pretty sure if I hopped in a time machine and I went back to, like, Tony Robbins, like, high school years, like, he probably got picked on. Yeah. Like, no offense, man's head is, like, massive. So I'm just <laughs> imagining, like, just bullet point from where, for, like, where to start when you're making fun of Tony Robbins. Like, yeah. Right there. <laughs> um, but it's, like, so, like, everybody's gone through something. So it's hard. You can never go, like, oh, like, I've... I've never had to experience like being put down or whatever like no like we've all gone through it like it's one of those things that we all should be able to draw from each other but we should also be able to kind of like look at whatever we're going through and it's not saying don't be down about it I always tell people like you're allowed to feel whatever you're going through. I think that's very important to you, like, feeling your feelings. Yeah. Instead of saying, like, this doesn't bother me. Like, no, you know what bothers you. Just let yourself feel it and get through it that way. That's a tough thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real, like, that's a tough thing for me because I grew up, I mean, of course, like, I grew up a young black male. Uh, yeah. In a black household. Like, yeah. I, had, I had a stepdad who was very much just, like, don't cry don't Mm -hmm. express any emotion and my mom still tells a story of like i was like eight years old and i hugged him and he jumped and that was like the last time we hugged wow (laughs) even like to this day yeah till this day wow last time we like last time we ever hugged like that was 20 years ago i lit maybe it was my fault because if i remember correctly like i kind of snuck him like Mm -hmm. No, I wasn't going to get it, like, willingly. So I kind of, like, ran up on him and was like, oh, a hug. And he was like, Aww, oh, what is this? And I was like... <laughs> and then my little, like, eight-year-old heart broke. And I was yeah, like, oh, my God, this like, is wow, not reciprocated. never trying this again. Like, <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> this is not reciprocated the way I planned it to be. Yeah. Um, and then after that... but And then and then I do realize, like, looking back at that, I was like, okay, like, my... Like, at that eight-year-old moment, like, my emotions started to shift. Mm-hmm. I very... Because that was the man in my life, like my variances on 
my ideas of what it meant to express emotion and to even process emotion completely and utterly changed. I went from being an eight-year-old kid who had a mom that was very much, like, um, was very much pushing me to kind of, like, process my emotions. Yeah. To... Shutting learning, them yeah, down. to learning to like shut them down wow. and shut them in and just kind of like be like, no, like whatever it is, like I'm a guy, I have to go through it on my own. Like, I'm not gonna be the one to like cry about it or like whine anybody about it. Like, I'm just gonna go through it. Wow, um, which is a sucky thing because then, yeah. then you reach 28 and everybody's like, it's in the, right now, it's in May, it's mental health month, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh crap, guys, yeah, and we're just getting to the point where it's like, okay, like. Black men, especially, like, show your emotions. Like, I, I still feel like we're, like, at a crossroads with that, like, even in our generation. We're, we're always going to be. We're always going to be because at some point there are so many things that even especially black men, like, we don't want to face. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that we don't want to face or own up to when it comes to ourselves as people, when it comes to our actions as men, or the inaction of other men around us that have like progressively affected us through the years like those are just things that we're not our we are not within ourselves are going to be able to actually deal with because Mm -hmm. nobody has the want to deal with it this is why like i mean denver just uh passed rooms like legalized them what yeah denver denver just legalized rooms and i feel like this is the most for any black person in denver (laughs) This is the most important thing. <laughs> and I'm saying this only because, like... So one of the things about shrooms uh, that I've been told is that it makes you deal with a lot of uh, regressed emotions. Interesting. A lot of things that you... A lot of people who claim to have had bad trips, they say that those bad trips come from the fact that you're not processing any of the negative emotions that are coming through when you're actually, like, tripping on the shrooms. Yeah. And that the people who have good chips are actually people who are pro- like sitting down and processing those emotions and going through it and allowing these like re- like regressed memories like to come through in order to better themselves. Interesting. Um, there was a study done where like they gave shrooms to like a group of people. How do they legally do that? <laughs> like um, the studies. Science. <laughs> science can do science can do almost anything legally. Yeah. Um, I say almost. But one of the things, so they, they gave it to like a group of people. I think it may have been like 10 or 20 people that they gave like shrooms to put them in a room. About 80% of those people reported that they felt great afterwards. Mm -hmm. And this was, I think probably like a week or two later because they had dealt with those negative things. They had dealt with all these things that they've been holding in. And by having to confront them through this psychedelic process, like they were better people for it. Yeah. Another 20% though kind of slipped into a bit of a depression because they weren't dealing with those things mm-hmm. and they still weren't. So when you look at when you look at the benefit of something like that and you go this is literally something that what the right with the right working within a community could change a lot of could people. Could heal a lot of people. Yeah. So what do you think is like the how do I ask this question? What do you think is necessary for black men and for just people in general as far as like coming into a fuller understanding of yourself you gotta want to spend the time with yourself um time alone is a very 
scary thing to most people. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) When you really think about it and you're like, oh man, like I have to be alone. Mm -hmm. And I'm the type of person now where like I cherish my alone time. I'm very like, it's very hard for me to date right now. Because, like, every time I meet somebody, they're like, you just seem like you're not interested or you seem like you're, like, you're not wanting to, like, give me the attention. I'm like, no, like, I literally, I want to and I am, but I'm also not going to take that away from myself. Do you explain that to them? And, like, are they cool with that? Or, like, how does that play out for you usually? I explain it, but here's the thing. Um, When you meet somebody who is a little bit more emotionally intelligent and emotionally equipped to understand that they have to deal with themselves at the same time while dealing with you and they make the time to actually deal with themselves it makes that other person feel shut out Mm -hmm. and then i come across as kind of like a jerk because then i'm like well maybe you should take the note that if i'm dealing with myself at this moment (laughs) like maybe you should kind of take the time to deal with yourself too um and then it spirals into like a whole thing of are you saying i don't deal with myself i'm like no i'm not saying that like i'm just saying like (laughs) word of advice like hey like I sit, like, really, like, truthfully, I sit down and I meditate. I encourage everybody to, like, sit down and meditate. If I feel like, if I, even I wake up in the morning and I feel like my day is off, like, when I wake up, like, mm-hmm. I sit down, I meditate. I'm probably about 30 minutes early for work almost every day. I wish um, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a morning person. <laughs> and so, like, when I, when I pull up, like, sometimes I'll just sit in the parking garage and I'll cut my car off. Like, I'll either sit there in silence. I'll put on, like, some, some binaural beats or something. Um, anything to kind of get, get my brain, like, flowing and working. And I just sit there with myself and I close my eyes and I just breathe. And I try to just kind of process whatever it is mm-hmm. that's trying to come through. But we have to be able to do that. And if even if you're not going to do that and you're not going to spend that time alone, just talk to somebody. Um, especially when it comes to black men, we're so afraid to talk because we're so afraid of the stigmas that get put on us when we talk about certain things. And so that leaves a lot of black men not wanting to actually vocalize what it is that they're feeling or how they're feeling. And this leads to like a lot of the behavior that we see sometimes when we see like when we talk about like, oh, like when people try to say like, oh, like black men always cheat. Like that's. Do they not? I'm just joking. joking. (laughs) (laughs) Like, here's the thing, because you could say we could say black. We could say black men always cheat. Cool. That's a. I'm not going to say always because... That's I'm a, a fallacy, bl- like, yeah. in, in and of itself. I'm a black man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, when I look around, I'm like, have I always cheated? <laughs> like, like, every time somebody says that, like, every time I talk to a girl, she's like, black men always cheat. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> I'm looking around and... <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, I'm kind of a black guy. Uh, I live the life. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same... But black men cheat for different reasons than say like a white person cheats white men cheat because they have because of the power of it there's a certain power behind it and when you look at the white men who do cheat majority of the time it's going to be like some high either upper middle class or rich white guy Mm -hmm. whose wife is probably putting up with it because like her life is laid out for her yeah she's good to go like so like she's kind of like so what sam is off over here with his mistress like and i'm sitting here with my kids are taken care of so yeah Mm -hmm. um when black men cheat, it's a very much, to me, 
it's been it's always been more of an emotional psychological thing it's this thing of something that we're not getting within ourselves Mm -hmm. and then at the same time it's a combination of things things that we're not getting within ourselves things that we feel like we're not getting out of our partner and at the same time unresolved issues Mm -hmm. if you're not tackling two out of three of those things as an individual that's kind of going to lead you to the path where you're going to be walking that dark alley of cheating um and that's only to kind of like regain some sort of feeling within yourself that you know these things don't have to be dealt with that if you can go out and you can cheat you can feel a different way about yourself because of just because of that situation um but that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if we ran a test, maybe like, <laughs> black men do always cheat. Maybe <laughs> maybe if we ran a test, like black men would just be like, we cheat just to cheat, and I'd be like, <laughs> oh man, like come on, guys, I literally yeah. just like vouch for you. Um, but yeah, so that's just. I mean, that's how what, do you think you avoid cheating? Not like it's like the thing that just happens, but like what if somebody's like, damn, I might cheat. Like, what do you like suggest to them? Like, is it like just talk to your partner? Like, that depends on how open minded your partner is because. I'm going to be completely honest when I say, like, if you walk up to some women and you're like, hey, babe, I might cheat, <laughs> you might not wake up the next morning. Like, yeah. Either that or, like, you're going to wake up, like, tied to the bed. and Or or some women, if you say that, they're going to take that as liberty that they're going to go cheat. Women, very the roles have reversed in society that black women are the new, like, some black women are the new black men. Ooh. where <laughs> <laughs> that's a sound bite <laughs> <laughs> where like it, and this is I mean it, and that's a completely different thing of like going all the way back to like the Reagan administration but long term like long term effects of the Reagan and Nixon administrations have led to black women being the new black men and as in like being the breadwinners and such or? it's a little bit of everything the breadwinners the mentality the um, just the all around like not wanting to deal with bullshit. Yeah. Um, the way that black women carry themselves now, and this is why, and this is why black men, in a very weird way, have responded more so by being like, by downplaying the femininity of black women because of that new newly assumed role. Okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Because like they can't like because we as black men can't really take that assertion because now it feels like not only is our competition like white men um in society but now like black women too and not saying that black men and black women can't be equals because we should be um but the idea now is that so if you want to keep if you want to stop from cheating and you don't want to cheat remove whatever circumstances are going to put you in a place where you might true and sounds very easy (laughs) It does, but then what ends up happening is that what ends up happening is that the minute your partner upsets you, you go right back to those old habits. Yeah. You have to make you have to want to make that change for yourself and say, All right, cool, like I'm not gonna cheat or I'm not gonna put myself in a predicament where I might because of how I feel about not only how I feel about this person, but how I would feel about myself if I hurt this person. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're no longer looking at cheating as a thing of hurting the person that we're with. We're looking at cheating as this idea, like just an idea, like just something that could happen. Yeah. And now we're not looking at the repercussions of it. We're not being like, oh, like if I go cheat, like 
Sarah's gonna be really hurt. Like I'm gonna hurt, like truly hurt her. What and now what ends up happening because of those newly assumed roles? Um, black men go cheat, and instead, what used to happen was black like black women would get upset, but stay. But stay, and they'd be like, "I'm supposed to be loyal to him, yeah. like as black people." What now happens is that black men cheat, then black women go cheat. Or maybe she already was. There's very much like a distrust sometimes where we can't bring because we're not opening ourselves up to each other and we're not yeah. giving ourselves to each other we're not giving ourselves to each other hundred percent. Like now suddenly there's a bit of a clash where some relationships are perfectly fine because somebody's gonna hear this and they'll be like, My relationship isn't like that. That's no, cool. Like <laughs> You're an outlier maybe or like you know, like it's not a formula yeah. for everyone right um but there are some people that you know boyfriend's cheating and the girlfriend's cheating um in that case be open about it and just yeah. decide to be polyamorous yeah like, i just don't get like the point of like sneaking around it's just like if you feel this way like it's very important for you to be like oh this is how i feel like i just don't understand i you know like what you're saying how people's mindsets work it's like i guess mine is just different but like you know it's like I, don't, I wouldn't say it's different. I, was, I would honestly say it's where it should be. Mm-hmm. Like, it very much shouldn't be a thing of, like, oh, like, if you, like, it shouldn't be a tit for tat thing. Yeah. And it very much has become that. It become, and that spills over into other things. Like, even when you look at, like, if you're not truly out to be, like, partners and in a partnership, and I always tell women, like, when I meet them, like, I'm looking for a co pilot. Like, I'm going to sit in the captain's chair. Like, I'm going to make sure, like, we got clear skies. But, like, I also need you, like, manning the buttons. Like, Mm -hmm. be right there with me. If you're not going to... And what happens is that then when you start to see problems and troubles and things like that, you're seeing them together. Um, But that requires being open and having that communication. Yeah. I feel like we have a really big issue with that these days. It's, like, weird because social media seems like it should make us like better at being vulnerable with each other but it doesn't seem to be doing that job in my opinion oh it's not it's (laughs) social media social media is the best worst thing that happened to society um and it's because of what you said because we're not using it to be vulnerable what we're using it for is to actually avoid the vulnerable moments and mask who we truly are as people (laughs) It's just another social media has now just become another layer to a person's exterior where it's another thing that you have to dig through in order to get through, get to the real person. Yeah. Nobody on social media is posting like, nope, I can't say nobody. Very rarely are people on social media posting things that they really like um, or that they're really into or posting their real feelings unless it's about like some weird thing about like politics or like anything like that mm-hmm. but we're not posting anything that's true to ourselves yeah um and that's and i can honestly say like that's true about me too like you're not gonna go on my instagram account right now and see like any quotes from pablo neruda <laughs> but i can tell you that like i sit down and i read pablo neruda like yeah but it's just one of those things that i'm like okay like that's a layer to me that nobody else is gonna see I see. I feel like Instagram is one of the worst social media in the terms of trying to get to know someone. Because, like, it's literally just, like, put your best face forward. And, like, that's about it. Like, four likes. Like, you know? (laughs) Well, there's a Black Mirror episode about that. 
It's not about that specifically, but I remember it. Um, it was the one where they were like raiding each other. Or yeah, like you, okay. like you raid each other, and like the girl is trying to get to the wedding. Yeah, and she keeps getting like poor and poor and poor ratings. That show was depressing. Like <laughs> it was just like I was like, this cannot get worse, and then it gets worse. I'm like, oh my god, girl, like it's it, Black Mirror <laughs> takes you to a very sad place, mm-hmm. and I'm like, but it, but it's the truth. It is literally that if you. If you're living for the likes, then you're never going to like yourself. You're always going to seek that validation through the amount of numbers that you see pop mm-hmm. up after you post a picture, after you post anything. And then depending on the picture that you're posting, sometimes sometimes those likes aren't real. Like, and I say that only because like sometimes, of course, it's easy to say that people are only liking what they see. Mm-hmm. I would rather see how many likes you get posting who you really are. Yeah. If you can still get 150 likes being who you really are, then by all means, like, keep doing it. But if you can only do it when you're, like, super glammed up or if you're exposing the best parts of yourself without actually showing anybody the worst parts of yourself, then there's no need to. Yeah. Um, if you're not getting that validation from yourself like why are you looking for it from other people it sounds people? like a challenge right now like i'm like thinking now like what else could i post like that's more true to like who i am not that like my instagram is that far from who i actually am but like no it's like now i feel like i had i need to make like a conscious effort to like have a more eclectic view of my life i guess right not that i mean i don't know it's weird though it's like is it anybody's business like you know that's the other thing though like, it's <laughs> whose business is it mm-hmm. it's like who should we be showing these things to but the question that it really boils down to is who are you gonna be living on social media is kind of the equivalent of living in a house with all your windows open yeah um well not your windows all your blinds open let's put it that way and everybody can see it mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is is that nobody lives like that we always live, like, at some point, the blinds are down. Yeah. And at some point, we're not the people that we are when that window's up. Um, I mean, and- like, even with, like, interactions with friends, I feel like they, like, certain friends see certain parts of you also. Like, it's hard to, like, be as open as you are to everyone or, like, to have everyone view you as, like, the same person or, like, view, like, the inner you. Like, I feel like some friends, it's... Or just, like, some people... You know, no, that's a, that's a true statement. Like, because you can't, you can't truthfully be. I can't, I can't say that. I can't say you can't truth, truthfully be the same person across the board. I will say that it's very hard to be that person. Yeah. Um, and I said this other night talking to somebody that, you know, the person that I am around my friends in Baltimore, you know, when we get together and we drink and like, we play like Uno and things like that. And we just sit back and we chill and we just talk about whatever we're going to talk about. Like the stuff that comes out of my mouth, if my mom heard me saying that, she'd probably <laughs> disown me. Um, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, and even now, like if I say like little things, my mom's like, why would you even say something like that? And I'm like, what? I, like all I said was that one beer is not too many. Like, <laughs> like you said that to an alcoholic. <laughs> Still not too many. Like, dude. Deal with the addiction. Don't try to eliminate everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but like she, like but my mom and I are total opposites. So but she's a lot more conservative. She's a little bit of both. I don't think you mm-hmm. can put my mom in a box. Yeah. Um, she's very much kind of like this, like social enigma, where 
she's very my mom my mom's like a pendulum she's never in the middle she's always either going to be hard right or hard left okay um so i remember one time like we got into an argument because like uh we got into an argument about weed hard argument as far as like um our feelings on it like what we thought and my mom's perspective is coming from her trying weed twice until this day i still say whatever she smoked wasn't weed um because she thinks she said one the first time she did it she saw snakes and i was like that's not weed um (laughs) the second time she did it she said that her heart rate like got really like really hard and like really fast and i was like that sounds a little bit closer to weed but even then like you just kind of like ride it out Mm -hmm. um me like i i've smoked weed like i smoke weed i abdicate for like the legalization like I've even gone as far as, like, talking to people about, like, possibly, like, opening up a... Di- like, I've literally went and found out how to open up a dispensary in Maryland. Okay. So when the time comes, like, I can be on board with that. Mm-hmm. So you see yourself staying in Maryland? God, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't, say, I shouldn't say God, no. I love Maryland. I really do. Um, But I'm always looking for something different. Mm-hmm. I'm always just kind of, like... Even if it's not Maryland, even if it's just, like, the DMV area, like, yeah, like, I'll stay within this area. Um, But there's still a part of me that longs for that, like, city living. Um, Like, New York? Mm -hmm. Like, larger city? Okay. I mean, I've lived in, what, I've lived in New York. I've lived just outside of Philadelphia, um, which is just, Philadelphia is, like, like a small New York borough. (laughs) <laughs> it's like every time I go there, I'm like, this is all this remind me reminds me of. Like, yeah, it's Might like well. it's like not a city, but it is a city. I'm like, if we're doing city by population, like you guys count because you guys are kind of <laughs> tiny. Um, but I mean, but there, but that's just because like living in a place like New York, like you, and then coming back to Maryland, like you start to miss like the convenience of certain things. Yeah. Like, people talk about, like, how hard it is to, like... Or how expensive it is in New York. And I'm like, um... I could stretch $6 on a full meal in New York. Like, all I gotta do is go to a bodega. And I'm coming out with a drink, a full meal. And I'm gonna get a little Debbie snack for dessert. And I'm gonna be good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's my whole night after work. Even, like, just, like, in D.C. to, like, PG County. Like, things are, like, so different. Like, restaurants won't be open after 10. Like... I'm like, how do you guys live like this? I was living like that, like, well, like <laughs> two or three months ago. But like. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, it's yeah. super weird. Like, it's not super weird. It's one of those things that people who kind of experience the worst thi- the worst end of it, like, that's where they get stuck. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of like, oh, like, this is how it was when I went there. I'll never go back there again. And I'm like, no, what you have to do is go to New York and not do the super touristy stuff find you like one handsome attractive like local new yorker that looks trusting <laughs> and <laughs> say hey like where should we go to eat like where should we go to do this where should mm-hmm. we go to do that the worst thing my family ever did was they came to visit me in new york in like april 2016 um yeah because it was just before i think like easter like my niece was on spring break um and they all like they came up like a boatload of them and it was a it was aggravating for me because they wanted to do all the touristy stuff. Mm-hmm. They were like, let's take a water taxi. And I was like, 
For what? Yeah. <laughs> Why are we getting on a water taxi? There's a subway. Yeah. And then we end up standing outside for an hour and a half, like, waiting for a water taxi. Yeah. Like, just so we can take the water taxi where, one, the subway could have got us 10 times faster. Mm-hmm. And two, they just wanted to go around because the water taxi goes around to the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm literally sitting there like in the water taxi and I'm just all the way frustrated. (sighs) And then like somebody like looked at me and they were like, you're from here, aren't you? And I was like, I live here. That's enough. Yeah. I was like, I don't, my mom was like, come outside and see the Statue of Liberty. I was like, I literally see this anytime I want to. (laughs) So is that like your general advice for traveling? Just like go with like the locals? My general advice for traveling is don't be a tourist. So yeah, go with the locals. Like do whatever, do whatever the locals would do. I was just talking to a guy who lives in Hawaii, and I was very much considering going there for my birthday. Um, and we were talking about it, and I was like, I hate when people go anywhere outside of outside of their home, and like outside of their state. Let's put it that way. I hate when people go anywhere outside of their state or their region, and they just sit in like a resort or a hotel room. And I'm like, you guys could have done this at home. Like, mm-hmm. you can't. You paid thousands of dollars to travel wherever to whatever country you're going to, and you're literally like walking around for a little bit, taking pictures. Like, you're going to Italy, taking pictures of like the Vatican and everything, which is cool because I would do the same thing. But then, like, once you've done all that, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, what's there to do now? Like, it seems like you're just checking marks off a box or something. Or like, what check? Checking a box, crossing off something off. Of <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that like that's really important. Like when I went to Paris, I like I did the touristy stuff, but also I was just like walking around Paris at night. Like, oh, let me just like stop in this restaurant that looks cool and like try this food that's yeah. like Parisian, you know. So. And that's one of like one of my favorite stories. Um, when I lived in New York, came from I went on a date. It was like a midday date. It was weird. Um. <laughs> Because Tinder's weird in New York. Um, Tinder's weird, like, because you can just literally be like, oh, hey, look, cool, like, let's meet in Central Park, like, right now. Like, yeah. All right, cool. Like, that's, and that's what happened. Like, we met in Central Park. Um, we started walking around. We walked from, like, Central Park, like, up to Harlem. Getting to Harlem. Uh, like, the, like, we get into, I think it was, like, 125th in Frederick. And in a, like, in a place like Harlem, when you see a door that looks like it came off, like, a Japanese house, like old school Japanese house it was just like this wood panel door like sitting on the side of a building mm-hmm. and I was like that looks like an adventure like <laughs> I was like I don't know what that door is doing there and it was kind of freaking me out because everybody else was walking past it as if they didn't see it and they're yeah. just kind of and I'm like like me and the girl that I was with like we're looking at each other I was like I'm pretty sure everybody else would like see this weird looking door yeah like are we the only ones who see this door is this gonna be like Narnia <laughs> Because I'm not ready to see half goat, half man, but, like, I'll My go with it. <laughs> I don't have anything to do today. <laughs> yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> and, like, we walked in, and just off of that, uh, the hostess, like, started talking to us. Because we were like, we didn't actually come here to eat. We just saw your weird door. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to come in and, like, see what was going on. And it was, like, a Japanese, like, African-American, like, fusion place. Interesting. Which was crazy. Um, and then they were like, the host was like, well, if you guys go downstairs, 
there's actually a whiskey bar downstairs. Oh, so it's like a speakeasy type of thing? Yeah. Or? Okay. And so I was like, oh, oh like, hey, adventure continues. Mm-hmm. And we go down, we go downstairs, and then inside when we go downstairs, like, we meet the owner, and we met his wife, and they were super cool, and they really, like, they literally were, we, we had a full-blown conversation about them opening up this place because he wanted to give artists a place to come to. Okay. So that way they could, like, perform their work and do what came natural to them and do it in a space where it is like proactively black Mm -hmm. and i think i spent every other weekend there after that um (laughs) they had late night karaoke Mm -hmm. and the one thing that i always loved was that when they say late night karaoke it was literally like it was literally us being there until like 5 a.m. Jesus Christ. To the point where the owner is in one of the booths, like, full-on asleep. Yeah. Like, and his wife is just, like, cuddling him, like, stroking his head. That's but, really cool. Like, yeah. that's so chill. But he's just staying there. Like, they're just staying there, like, so everybody can keep doing what they're doing yeah. and just having a good time. And I saw, like, some of the some of the best poets, and God forgive me because I forgot their name. I can't think of their names off the top of my head. Like, mm-hmm. his wife is, a, is an amazing poet. Um... She hands down, like, her spoke... Like, they had a spoken word night one time, and she hands down just put out some of my favorite poems ever, just, mm-hmm. like, coming out of her mouth. And I was just looking at her going, like, why can't I be you? Like, <laughs> why are you so... Why are you so... Cre- like, yeah. why are you speaking to me right now, like, in the words that you say? So what type of arts are you into? Um, I love all art. I love anything that forces people to express themselves mm-hmm. um don't ask me to interpret a painting because that's <laughs> not happening um but i will sit there and i'll admire it and i will tell you what i think the artist thought i'll be far off um but i love paintings uh, i've actually i went to the um the met which i've absolutely loved when they had uh one of my favorite pieces there, which is Starry Night. Oh my God, my friend actually just went there for her birthday and she was telling me she just saw that painting. That's so weird. It's, <laughs> it's such a beautiful painting. And um, she was saying that she just like, they didn't have like a restriction on how close you can get to it. So she was just like, you know, just like looking at like the brush strokes and everything. And it's one of the, it's one of those things that you, I remember going with a friend of mine and her mom and we were just walking around and to take in everything was to take in all the pieces and to look at everything and just kind of like you're in like a world of wonder when you appreciate the talent that has to like, your mind has to go to a different place to even create something like Starry Night mm-hmm. like I'm not saying Vincent Van Gogh is on some type of psychedelic <laughs> but that painting looks like an acid trip and I'm like mm-hmm. but I'm like but it's a beautiful thing like it's something that you're never gonna know because of the time frame like you're never gonna know what mood he was in when he did that but something happened to him that caused him to take up the paintbrush and put that together. Yeah. Um, I would say if I had like a least favorite art form, it's probably pottery. hundred percent. Not even probably. I'm a hundred percent sure my least favorite art form is pottery. Um, just because why? Like, mm-hmm. like Greeks did it. That's cool. Like Africa, like Africans, Egyptians, like they did it too. Cool. But pottery doesn't last like if it <laughs> if it breaks then we're spent trying to like trying to piece this back together yeah. and figure out like what story it was trying to tell um music is always universal it's always one of those things that 
you you got to love music. And if you're going to do anything in mu- like with music as far as like listening to it, venture out. Like there's so many different especially now. Yeah. There's so many different sounds out there to just plug into your soul mm-hmm. and to feel the different vibrations that are just coming through when you hear certain things pieced together. Uh, one of the coolest things that I remember seeing was watching the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. And they're showing Queen in the track when they're making, I think it was their first album. And one of the things that they had done was taken like a bag of coins and just poured them over like a drum. And they started like beating the drum, but then the drum noise is kind of like enhanced just because of like the coins jingling around on it. Um, The science behind music in itself is such a culmination of somebody trying to speak whatever it is that they're feeling or just express that. Yeah. Um, Are there any other forms of art? Spoken word poetry is always great. Um, if you don't know how to do anything else, like <laughs> you can talk, right? Yeah, you can talk, and that that sounds like I took a jab at poets, and yeah. I'm not. Um, it's just I, to say, yeah, it's just it's one of those things that when you sit down and you, because like even like even I write like poetry sometimes, like it's one of those things that if you can't express yourself any other way, or if you don't feel like anybody else is there to listen to you, you can always put your thoughts down on that paper. Or whatever it is at your whatever platform you're using to express it, and the people who actually go out and speak their poems and make themselves vulnerable in that capacity to let us into what they're feeling and how like whether it be something sensual, whether it be something that's traumatic. Um, I heard one guy. Well, I didn't hear him. I saw a video on YouTube um, where one guy went and he did a whole poem comparing pokemon to slavery interesting and (laughs) it was a crazy thing yeah but he's linking like catching pokemon to like catching slaves and then at the same time like catching them and pitting them against each other and it's like oh this is kind of makes sense yeah i was like this is really ruining a childhood show um i mean like great intellectual dive to be like oh yeah like pokemon like kind of like slavery but at the same time it's also like now i can't look at detective pikachu the same way like i was like thinking about like what if you like bring that up on a first date like (laughs) (laughs) how is that date ending (laughs) depends on i want to say it depends on the person but Mm -hmm. with the way people are now like people yeah yeah you you can't here's the Nowadays, you can't dive into anything too serious. Too like, soon. Too soon. And you also can't dive into anything too intellectual too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you dive into anything too intellectual too soon, people are going to feel like they can't keep up. Or they're going to feel like they weren't completely prepared for that. If you dive into too deep of a subject too soon or too strong of a subject, then you might find yourself like completely at odds and then feeling like, you can't make something work with this person. And that happens a lot in a society that is generally looking for nine, like 85% to like a hundred percent compatibility. This is a very weird dating society. Yeah. I feel like it's very easy to discount someone, especially because of like all the options like Tinder. It's like, Oh, well I don't like how he blinks. So I can find somebody else like who blinks differently. You know, it's like something like very small (laughs) like that, you know, like, it's you're you're always being you're always being watched because like you said like tinder bumble hinge like 
they're all giving you the option that not only the option they're giving you the opportunity to meet somebody that's closer to what you feel like you want yeah and the the purpose of dating is not to find somebody that not just to find somebody that you want but somebody that you know you need Mm -hmm. um it's not about needing anybody in your life but it is about the balance of having somebody in your life about having the co-pilot yeah (laughs) that you have that person that's going to be there and kind of offset you i don't feel like anybody should be with anybody that's like close to 100 percent like them because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day the only thing they're doing is encouraging your stupidity. Yeah, an echo chamber. Yeah. But that's what people need now because it makes us feel safe. Mm-hmm. It makes us feel like, okay, like, I'm I'm safe in my thoughts because this person thinks the same way yeah. as me. And they're not going to always tell me that I'm wrong. Or sometimes it works out in the sense that if they have to tell you that they're wrong, you're wrong, they know how to. But even then, like, I'm a firm believer that when I started dating back in, like, high school... I was a firm believer that opposites attract. Mm -hmm. Because that's the way life works. Like, that's what they teach us. Like, oh, like opposites attract. Like, that's that's a science of life. Now, if you're looking for, like, a specific person, then if if you're with somebody that, like, you're 100% compatible with, cool. Like, that's good for you. So glad you guys (laughs) paid for that Match.com subscription. Like... (laughs) But, like, I'd much rather, like, meet somebody who, like, we're different and we can both accept that and respect it and we can build off of that. Like, we can work on something from that because, like, now I'm going to feel like I'm getting something different, like, every day. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to feel like I'm just sitting here, like, with somebody who's like me. Mm -hmm. And, one, like, I spend enough time alone with myself. I don't need to come out of that alone time <laughs> yeah. and then still feel like I'm spending time with myself and be like, this feels vain. So your ideal partner is someone who's like different, just different than you. Like how, like not too different. Okay. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't, I can't say like super duper different. Um, you don't have to be like, you, I don't have to be full on right. And you be full on left. Mm-hmm. It is saying that when we say like, Oh, like when we're talking about things like compatibility, it's like you want someone who disagrees with you sometimes. Yeah. Like you don't have to like, like one, you don't have to like everything that I like. You don't have to see the world the same way I do. Mm-hmm. This is about a common goal of us coming together and growing together. Yeah. Differences and all. Um, but throughout history of like human relations in general, we have had the inability to do that. So now we find ourselves with our dating roles kind of mimicking the roles of society as far as we can't bring ourselves to be with anybody who's like full on who's too different Mm -hmm. because we don't want to put in that work to actually get it there yeah to actually make it something that it should be yeah and we do the same thing as a society like we don't want to create that bridge with each other and accept our differences Mm -hmm. and be like hey like you know what like I'm different, you're different, but we're going to make this work. Like, we as a, like, I can't say the world. Like, we as a country, like, we don't. But that's also because, I mean, that's a completely different thing. That's also, like, that's white people not accepting (laughs) their faults. Yeah. That's, like, a whole other topic. I was thinking about, like, um, our parents' generation and, like, how common divorce is now. Do you feel like they did it they did marriage better than we're doing it now mm. 
yes and no. I think that they have much more trust and loyalty in their marriages um, because trust is not just... Trust isn't just saying, like, I know this person isn't going to go cheat on me um, or they're not going to treat me bad or not going to do this or not going to do that. Trust is also being able to say that when things aren't going too well, I trust that this person is going to work with me to get us there. Um, and so when I talk to like when I talk to people in that generation, and they're like, "Oh, we've been married for fifty plus years," and I'm mm-hmm. like, "Well, what got you there?" And they're like, "You know, they had that trust and they had that friendship, and they they were never afraid to lean on each other." Yeah. Um, you have to you have to want to lean on your partner, um, and you have to understand that within the within the roles of a relationship, roles are forever changing. Um, you have to evaluate your relationships at least every couple years mm-hmm. and say, okay, like, what is my role right now? Yeah. Some people's roles, because of the way their relationships are set up, like, some people's roles consistently stay the same. But depending on what problems come, sometimes your role changes. Sometimes mm-hmm. you go into a relationship or a mar- you go into a marriage and the husband is the breadwinner and the wife might have, like, she'll have a career because it's 2019 there's not (laughs) there's not many stay-at-home wives anymore um but she'll have a career but maybe she doesn't make as much um maybe they're living totally realistically like off of his like they can and they do kind of live off of his income Mm -hmm. um but then something happens somehow he financially takes a hit and you are now dealing with only her income and now her roles change. Yeah. Now she has to accept her role as the breadwinner, and he has to accept his role as like the caretaker in the home until he can find something else to do in order to get back to that role of being the breadwinner. And that might take a year. It might take five years. Do you think it's important to get back to that role, or like is it just like now we change roles? Like, I guess it depends on the person. Really, it's it very depen- subjective. It depends on the person, and it depends on their ability to actually deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't, like, I can honestly say for me, for me, if it were me, I might not be able to full on handle it. Like, mm-hmm. I'd probably be in the mode where I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I get to be home with the kids. And but then at the a same couple time, years later, it's like, okay, I need to like, yeah, get like, back. <laughs> like, okay, cool. I've been home with the kids for like six months. It's mm-hmm. time to start looking for a job again. Yeah. Um, like, it's about getting it. It really is truthfully about find like, if you're not gonna be with if you're not gonna be comfortable within that role, work your way out of it. Mm-hmm. But understand that even if you're not comfortable in it, that uncomfortableness, which I don't think uncomfortableness is a word, but I'm using it. They just put stay in the dictionary, so we're good. Yeah, yeah, eventually. <laughs> yeah, eventually. Somebody's gonna be like, uncomfortableness is a word. <laughs> um but that uncomfortableness is like it's helping you grow. If you can't accept the growth through it, and you just stay uncomfortable, then you start to lash out at everybody else. Yeah. Then, I see. Mm-hmm. then we start getting back to things like, oh, like I'm gonna go cheat because yeah. I'm not uncomfortable because I'm uncomfortable in my role in my home. Yeah. Or I'm gonna start mm-hmm. lashing out at my wife or my significant other because of the way that because of their newly assumed role and the way I feel about myself now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna take it out on them because 
they're adjust maybe they're they seem like they're adjusting to their role better than you are yeah um or sometimes and this is the worst thing that could happen sometimes it trickles down to like the kids Mm -hmm. and that's not saying anything of like being like abusive or anything but it is saying that certain things like do change like sometimes people start showing affection differently sometimes they change as a person and it causes them to change the way that they treat the people around them because they're not dealing with what it is that they're going through Uh like you're not processing that you're not growing from it so yeah like it's gonna depend on the person whether or not you can make that shift and be like all right cool this is where we are and this is where we need to be and this is how we're gonna get there yeah have you done therapy at all or like how did you how do you come to these conclusions or have you thought about therapy um so have i have i done therapy in the sense of like have i been in front of a therapist yeah um yeah but that was totally unrelated um and did you feel like it was helpful oh god no (laughs) um (laughs) i can't say i can't full-on say it wasn't helpful what i can say is that what i went there for my therapist kind of openly avoided it um i originally went to therapy for full-on like anger management um i had an incident at one of my jobs where i was working where like I went to a, I was angry. I went to a bathroom. Like I punched a mirror. Um, oh, wow. I hit the mirror so hard that the mirror on the other side of the wall and the other bathroom actually broke. Damn. Um, and then my boss waited until I was driving away, and he he waited until I was like a good halfway home too. Like he waited like a good fifteen minutes, and then he called me and he was like, "Hey, just want to let you know, our insurance pays for therapy. So if you want to go handle that," and I was yeah. like. You waited until a good point. Like, yes, I say. So it sounds like he cares. <laughs> like you you waited until a good amount of time until I was far enough away. Um, so I went and, uh, albeit it helped in the sense that it it forced me to go back and because the one thing that my my therapist made me do was he said you know I just want you to talk. He's like I want you to talk about you know whatever it is that's bothering you. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we're going to go way back. We're going to start back in, you know, my childhood and work our way forward. And that's what we did. And then, you know, he would read my face and he would say, okay, well, you, you kind of made a face when you mentioned this person. Like, let's talk about that for a while. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, why you're feeling that way towards that person. That helped. Um, What really long-term helped me was understanding that I can't make it through this life not dealing with me. Yeah. And only meeting people and expecting them to deal with me. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to do is push whatever negativity I'm feeling out towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the only thing that does is forces them to take on my negativity that they're in turn going to turn towards somebody else. And it creates this vicious cycle. So for me, it became a lot of the healing for me started when I started asking myself why. Whenever I started feeling something negative, even if it was something positive, I had to sit down and I had to say why. Like, why mm-hmm. am I feeling this way? Like, why am I going through this? And a lot of times. That's what I do a lot. Like, yeah. whenever I'm like angry or something, you know, like. To the point of, like, I need to bring this issue up. But it's like, why am I mad? And I think that's a lot more important than actually being mad. And right. explaining that to the person is like, this is why I'm mad. This is what pissed me off. Like, you know. And that's, a, that's, the, that's the key. You can't, 
you can't go through life not asking yourself why because the minute you start asking yourself why you kind of start opening up a lot of different doors in the sense of well i react this way to this because i feel like i always have and then you start venturing back and you're like well when do i feel like the first time that i started reacting this way was Mm -hmm. and you go back to some moment where you were like three years old and somebody took your toy truck and suddenly it shifted how you felt as a person and wow. you just started reacting this <laughs> yeah. you started reacting this way to everything um like i know personally like i have a very i have a very hard time sharing um to the point where nobody and i do mean nobody in the year i've had my car nobody's driven my car except me i will not <laughs> let anybody touch my car i've dated girls in the last year where they're like oh like we're going out like am i gonna drive your car? no what are you talking about you have your own car so you mean literally like sharing like things like not like feelings but just like yeah possession sharing my possession yeah very much and i I feel that i I have the same issue like i feel like i like to like i'd rather just have it myself because like if i fuck it up then it's like all right we're good but like if you fuck it up i'm like i'm gonna be mad at you that it yeah Yeah, so mad at you now i'm mad at myself and now i'm mad somehow i'd be mad at my car because i'd be like (laughs) how did you let them do this to you yeah Um, but I know that come, like, I know, like, looking back in my memories, part of that comes from when I was, like, three years old, we were having, like, a party at my mom's house, and I have a cousin who's a year younger than me, um, who I had, like, this little guitar, and it had, like, a, like, a microphone to it, and you could, like, sing into it, and he went and kind of, like, took my guitar and put his mouth all over it, like, all over the mic, and, like, literally mm. was, like... Yikes. Somehow, like, minute, like, mic full on in his mouth, just, like, drooling all over it. And at that moment, I stopped wanting to be a kid who <laughs> wanted to share anything. Because <laughs> I was like, um, this is gross, and I don't want my guitar anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, this is really messed up that you took something that was personally mine... And just put your mouth all over it. Yeah. And now I have this subconscious fear that, which probably sometimes, like, I have a subconscious fear now that, like, oh, like, the equivalent of somebody going and putting their mouth all over my car is going to happen just because I had that one bad experience. Like, yeah. I, I full on remember crying to my mom about that because it was so, not so much traumatic, but it was just something that I felt so strongly about as a child mm-hmm. that it's carried over subconsciously into my adulthood. Yeah. Still yeah, nobody's gonna drive my car though. <laughs> <laughs> so then my next question is like how do you how do you combat like some of those feelings? Like are you able to like are you like actively like working on sharing more? Or are you just like okay like because I feel like for me it's like there are certain things that I will share and it's like oh yeah have as much as that as you want but yeah. this part this is for me like you know so there's I don't know if that's like the healthiest or like what but there are certain things that I still share um that I try to I share food. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a step for me. Yeah. Um, is sharing food. Like just, okay, cool. You had a fry. Like, <laughs> Don't have too many. <laughs> yeah, like, if you really if you really want the fries, you shouldn't have ordered the steak and mashed potatoes. Like this, let's not do this. <laughs> You have fries on your plate. They're just oh, in a different yeah. form. See, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm that girl, though. Yeah, I will eat off your plate. Like, <laughs> it just tastes better coming off somebody else's plate. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's cool. Like, just know, like, I'm going to sit there the whole time. And like, oh, she should have just ordered. Like, don't, here's the thing. 
it's cool as long as you don't eat the first fry, you don't eat the last fry. Yeah. Like, don't be the first. Like, you literally just saw me. <laughs> you just saw the way to put the plate on the table and then oh hey let me let me get one yeah no no hey i haven't even gotten a chance to take a bite yeah yet. i'm not that right? bad <laughs> <laughs> or they wait until they see the last one and like oh, okay can i try one of those <laughs> you had this whole plate of yeah. fries to try one <laughs> literally the, this is the last bite bro like why are you doing this to me? <laughs> um but i try i try little things i try to i try to live in a space where I, ha- I, I, I do live in a space where I kind of have to share. I mm-hmm. mean, I have nieces and goddaughters and cousins that I wouldn't say require me to share, but there are those moments where I'm sharing certain things that I wouldn't that I normally wouldn't find myself sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I have when I have my goddaughter, I have two goddaughters. One of them's one and a half. The other one's seven. Um, when I'm with the seven-year-old, I find myself having to like, share my TV, <laughs> and it's annoying because mm-hmm. I have to sit here until she falls asleep watching Puppy Paw Patrol or watching Coco for the hundredth time. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, Coco, great movie. I still haven't seen it. I heard it's it, very emotional and kind of scared. <laughs> it is very emotional. It was true. It was severely unexpected on my end, where mm-hmm. I watched it with her for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting here going, oh my gosh, feelings. I kind of want to hug somebody. <laughs> and at the kind of at the same time, I'm kind of mad that a movie made me like a children's movie made me feel this way mm-hmm. as an adult. But at the same time, I'm the same dude. I just cried watching Endgame. So <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Endgame twice. I cried both times. I can't do this. <laughs> can't do this with movies making me feel this way. But I but because I'm sharing that time with her, like I have to look at it from a sense uh, or I'm sharing the TV with her. I had to look at it from the sense of, okay, we're sharing this, but this is the benefit that's coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting to spend time with her. Yeah. I'm get I'm allowing her to have the, the growth of having me as an influence in her life. And I'm not saying that that benefits her in any way. I'm not sure that's going to run its course sure down the line. <laughs> down the line, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Could go either way. I, I, this clothing brand was almost called Bad Influence for a reason. <laughs> um, so it's more, I like to tell people I'm not a bad influence. I'm a fun influence. So yeah, but you, can't, you, you can be a fun influence on other like adults. Can't really be a fun in, like the way I'm a fun influence on my friends. Like I can't be a fun influence on a seven year old. Yeah. I can't be like like hey, let's go out to the club tonight. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna wear? Yeah, my, my like just, your onesie. Just walking up with my seven year old goddaughter, like, just sitting here like she's a midget. Like what do you mean? Like, no, she's just she's just a little person. You gotta put a beard on her. <laughs> like just now, I gotta look at her and be like, look, just don't speak. Okay? <laughs> I'm gonna pass you a drink. You're gonna like. <laughs> we're gonna wipe the X off your hand. <laughs> okay, so um, for the past hour, I've been asking you a whole bunch of different questions, mm-hmm. getting to know you better. Just wanted to know, do you have any questions for me? Um, what made you think of this? Um, happy hour. <laughs> yeah, meeting people during happy hour. Like I used to work in DC, so like you know, like after work, sometimes I just go to happy hour because wait out the traffic, whatever. Um, and then I would sit down and have conversations with people and I was like, this is like interesting. And I wanted to start a podcast. It kind of just like, kind of like just came together, like over like the span of like a year. And I was just like driving home one day and just like, oh shit, 
nice to meet you. Like, just meet people, interview them, like, have these conversations, you know? So, okay. that's where I came from. Um, would you say you're a partier? Would you say, like, you're... Um, do you say, would you say you always feel the need to be out? Yes. Yes, I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I guess, like, I used to live with my parents, so it's, like, it was nice being out, being in my own space, like something that I controlled, you know, like it, like living with your parents, it feels like a little like suffocating in a way. So it's like, it was just more fun to be out. And also I lived in like Akakik, which is like, there's nothing to do there. Like there's no like sort of like stimulation or anything. So like DC was just like this big bright light for me. So like, yeah, that's kind of how I started going out and everything and enjoying the city. Also, it's just like when you're in your house, it's like, that's your whole world but like if you're outside then like there's so many other influences that like could come and like so much so much more um room for spontaneous moments and um experiences so yeah okay um was there anybody that you met that you thought about asking but you didn't and now you kind of regret like not asking them um I'm trying to think and I don't think so I don't know I'm like I haven't met a lot of people recently so it's like a lot of the episodes also are like people that I've known like previously um so I don't think that's happened yet I'm actually I'm sure it has but maybe like you know I'm just like blocking out of my mind like oh this is like (laughs) you know (laughs) I'm doing the best I can but no big deal yeah (laughs) I'm sure there has been, but I can't quite put my finger on it. There's one person that I want to interview, and, like, they're kind of, like, on the back burner right now. But um, other than that, not yet. Or, like, well, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Any other questions? Um, Super casual question. Probably the last one. Um, Favorite drunk food? Um, Fuck. All of them? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have... um, there's a battle between um, Ethiopian food and breakfast food. That is a wide range. Yeah. So it's either like um, kutfo or like hash with like an egg over easy and like sausage and everything. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Um, thank you. If you have any social media that you want to plug, you can do that here. Um... So if anybody wants to follow me, you can follow me at simply underscore J Bell. Um, if you want to follow the brand, the brand is at Nato Pronto brand on Instagram. Uh, Nato Pronto, N-A-T-O, Pronto and brand. Um, other than that, I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you to the producer, the production team who handles my shirts, uh, Wake and Bake Universe. Um, out in Hagerstown and my artist uh, Beatrix Kiddo who is one of my or that's her Instagram actually um, Beatrix Kiddo just replaced the E after the B with a 3 um, she's one of my favorite local artists she makes some of the dopest just crossover cartoon work that I've ever seen um, but outside of that no okay cool do you have any um, projects that you're working on right now um are there any projects I would say? So there are, um, we're doing three other shirts. Um, the first two are going to be a 
kind of an edit to the original. Um, we're going to take the the crown that's on the skull. We're going to take it off. We're going to put on, like, the Egyptian pharaoh headdress. Um, we're also going to do one for the women that's uh, the headdress that Cleopatra wore. Um, just so I, I wanted to give my community uh, something that they could look at and see themselves in. Um, the other, the third one is actually, once we work it out, it's going to be somehow a heart with an infinity sign worked in um that's just for that's more so the um that's more so taking on the subject matter of just like if i had to put it in the like quick words just infinite love and just trying to spread that message around Uh, outside of that no okay i mean that's a lot to work on so (laughs) it's a lot to think it's a lot to think about um but it's one of those things that once you once you put it into motion and you figure out what it's going to be, it happens quicker than you think. I think we, we launched these shirts within, we launched these shirts within two weeks. Oh, wow. So well, yeah, I'm surprised. I thought that would have been like months of planning and everything. Oh, um, the coming up with this brand in general took a year. Uh-huh. Um, but once we, once we solidified everything and once we knew the route we were going to take, then it was putting out like doing the artwork to production took two weeks okay cool all right well thank you so much again no thank Um, you if you guys would like to follow the podcast you can do that at ntmy podcast on twitter and instagram if you would like to subscribe to the podcast you can search nice to meet you on itunes soundcloud and spotify thank you guys so much for listening and i will see you next week